0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any new listeners who may be checking us out for the very first time. Happy to have you aboard. For those of you who've been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like all of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am Jason Kelly. I'm coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at coloroftheiris. You can find the main account for this podcast at bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, is Andrew Duan. Andrew, how's it going?
1: Doing good, doing good. You know, just taking this playoff basketball right now. It's watching Giannis just manhandle people like a fullback and, you know, running up the middle. It's kind of funny to see what other teams get away with, but... (laughs) That's kind of all I got going, trying to decompress from a Red Sox series loss and a couple other Boston sports losses the last couple days.
0: Yeah, there's certainly no shortage of sports going on right now. It's just a jam-packed schedule all around. Um, also joining me tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you?
2: Pretty Good enjoying the south. It's starting to get pretty consistently in the upper 70s, 80s now, and we're getting the daily thunderstorms and all that fun stuff down here. I haven't swam in the ocean yet, but I, I think the last, the first time I did it last year, which was really my first season, uh, was the last week of April, which is right now the water was 70 degrees, which is, you know, compared to New England, uh, you don't go into shock right away when you dive into it. Um, and then basically from June on gets like bathwater. So going to start enjoying the ocean, especially on these Red Sox off days. I think we got two more Thursdays off, don't we? In the month of May, I think. Sounds right. Finally. Yeah. And that's, uh, lots of bullpen talk in the last episode. So perhaps that, uh, will uh, maybe ease that up a little bit. Who knows?
0: Yeah. I'm jealous. We, (laughs) we can't start swimming in any waters up here until like, Late June, July, people can finally put their pools up, and hopefully, it's uh, you know, it's not too cold when you get in there.
2: I'm not brave enough to swim in the lakes and the rivers because there are gators down here, and I've seen some. So, so it's only ocean for me at this point.
0: Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I wouldn't step foot in any of those either. And swimming
2: <laughs> pools are essentially toilets to me if kids are around. So I just those are ruined
0: uh, for me. Yeah. Oh, I don't blame you. I'm those airing get, it all out. Yeah. <laughs> no, those can get gross, believe me. I living in Florida for as long as I did. Yeah. Some of those swimming pools. You don't uh, don't feel great coming out of them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Exactly. No. Yeah. So uh we're doing another round table episode for you guys. Uh we're gonna do a little bit of Red Sox talk. We've got some league-wide stuff to get into as well. Uh, we're gonna start with the Brian Bayo demotion. Uh, back down to Worcester, he goes after just a couple of starts, coming back from the injury. Um, his first two starts back, not great. Um, got got lit up a little bit. Um, but it was still kind of a shock, I think, to a lot of Red Sox fans to see that he had been demoted uh to Worcester, particularly since, you know, he's one of the young studs in, you know, of their pitching program that they're really trying to promote, that they're really trying to get something out of. You know, everyone looked at him, Houck and Whitlock as sort of uh, the next guys to take over that rotation. and Bayo gets sent down. And, you know, there's reports that it's not going to be for very long and that it's just sort of a a quick reset, and he'll be back up soon. But um, he made some comments that sort of suggested you know he he wasn't happy about it, um, which is natural. He's, you know, he wants to be in the majors. Um, but he basically said he doesn't feel like his development will get any better at the minor league level. He feels that, his development is only going to happen at the major league level. So he's obviously bummed out about it. A lot of Red Sox fans are bummed out about it. Um, Terry, what was your reaction to his demotion and sort of how they're handling Brian Bayo so far early on?
2: I was pretty surprised. I mean, it it feels like we've had to get used to almost daily roster moves, you know, for a number of reasons. Nothing super major, but um, him being... You know, a move that took place last week definitely surprised me. I thought he handled it very well. I mean, he didn't throw a fit or any type of, you know, he didn't, you know, any type of tantrum, I guess, um, as far as we can tell. Uh, I think he's right. I I think he's kind of outgrown the minor leagues. I think if you look at his first start, which I believe may have been the Angels, uh, compared to his next one, uh, I think that was the Brewers. I could be mistaken, but you did notice, uh, y- you know, a lot, a lot more effectiveness from him. I think he only struck out three, he lasted four and two thirds in the mo- more recent one, gave up three earned, but it was still a much better uh, performance. He was mixing his pitches, and I was kind of looking forward to seeing what he could do, uh, you know, in his next start. And for me, what it really comes down to is you look at the rest of the rotation. Would I rather have Brian Baio or Chris Sale start? That's a no-brainer. I'm I'm taking Baio. I don't even know if Chris Sale's a major leaguer anymore. He might be, but you know it, it's it's fair to question it. Do I want Brian Bale or Corey Kluber starting? Same thing. I, I'm going to take Baio over Kluber every time. He's going to give you length. And probably a lot more punch outs. Uh, so yeah, and then I think Bayo at this point, I've got a lot more confidence in him than I do even Garrett Whitlock, who may still be a reliever. We might have a much better idea after this Guardian series. If 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 Whitlock gets beat soundly by the Guardians, that's a problem with that with that anemic offense that they have. So, I just think Bayo is so much better than most of these guys. I would probably prefer Pavetta over Bayo, or at least I would slot him a little bit higher on the depth chart. and I would certainly put Helk over him right now. but i I wouldn't I want Bayo pitching, you know, with the major
0: League club at this point.
2: And, and he's fun Andrew. to watch. He's fun to watch.
0: He is definitely fun to watch. I mean, it, it, he's definitely got a little bit of an attitude up there on the mound, which is cool to see. So Andrew, what are your thoughts on bail?
1: Well, I don't think it was a performance thing. I think it was strictly a numbers thing. The, you know, you roll with the six man rotation, your bullpen's thin. Uh, you only have a certain amount of pitchers you can have on the roster on your 26. And if you know, he was the last guy to pitch. So you had to send him down. They needed to get another arm up and ready, quite frankly. And that was Bernardino. And, he actually pretty solid today. I don't think it's a long term thing for Bayo, but you're not going to send anyone else down. You know, Whitlock's not going to get sent down. He, there was really no need to send him down, especially timing wise. you then you'd be going on a you know short rest for Bayo if he sent Whitlock down. Can't send Kluber down. He can't send Sail down. Uh, can't move either to a bullpen spot. Um, so he'll be a, he'll be back up quickly. I'm not too worried about it. You know, there's a certain amount of times you can option a guy nowadays, uh, after that twenty twenty-one season where we saw Tanner Houck, you know, kinda take build up, you know, as many Uber points as he possibly could when he was going down after every start, then coming back up the next day. But yeah, this will be temporary for Bayo. He's gotta figure a couple things out. What I saw out of some of his performances that was that he was going well, and then there was a stoppage or something that would throw him off. And it happened twice. The first game he pitched, he should have had a strikeout against the Angels and they blew it. And then the Angels had a few hits and um, put a few runs up against him. The other day, he was working great. And then the umpire jumps out in front of the plate and says, slow it down. And he's like, you have to make eye contact with the batter. And I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was working at a great pace. You know, if we're going to, Tell everyone they've got to hurry up, and then this happens. I thought it threw off his early completely. I didn't think he really recovered from it. He'll be fine in in the long run. It's not the worst thing to take some miles off his arm after that injury scare we had earlier in the season, and then or early in spring training. Then obviously missing all of spring training, so he'll he'll be fine. I I have zero concerns with him long term. I'd still hell, I'd still love to work something out long-term deal for him, something like kind of like what they did with Whitlock. So yeah, I'm cool with it.
0: Yeah, certainly you hope it, it is just that, that it's just a numbers thing and they'll have him back up there pretty quickly. I do agree. He does seem to have as much as like when he's going well, he does have that little bit of Pedro sort of like attitude about him where like you can tell he's feeling it, but he doesn't have the Tanner Hauk thing where as if things start to fall apart a little bit, he, you know, he's able to stand his ground and not get rattled. He doesn't quite seem to have that. He he does get rattled a little bit, gets out of his rhythm a little bit, and then it all just kind of goes downhill. So I don't think that's something, you know, he'll sort out in the minors. I, I think it's just something he's got to sort out with more starts and more experience. Um, but you, you've got to get this kid going. And, If, you know, if it's just a temporary send down and they feel like he can work out a few things, come back even better, that's great. Because you need him, Hauk, and Whitlock to all take steps forward this year. And so far, Hauk has. Whitlock, it's like one step forward, another step back. Um, We'll see how he does going forward. I've voiced my opinion on him. I'm still not sold. I think he still would be better in the bullpen. We'll see. Um But, you know, the way that Whitlock goes is going to be very important to see, you know, does Brian Bayo end up just taking his spot and Whitlock goes back to the pen? Who knows that that could be a possibility. So hopefully it is just a quick turnaround because I do still think he's going to be one of your uh, future big time pitchers for this team.
2: Just real quick. I mean, a couple of observations here. He can't be called up for 15 more days. So that's up to two more starts. You're not having him. So that I gotta, that's where I kind of have a bigger problem with it here. So now you might be getting some more automatic losses here from some of those guys I mentioned. That's number one. Number two, we didn't even use Cutter Crawford that whole series. Send him down. I, I'd, I'd much rather have Bale up here with the big club. And if he's got the confidence he, he thinks he can figure it out, I'd let him try it for another start or two.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't love, right now, I don't love a six-man rotation for the Red Sox. Their bullpen is so beat up, and it's, as much as, I don't think Bernardino is any great shakes, and, you know, I, I want Bayo back up here, too, but, and yeah, it was a little weird. Cutter Crawford did not get used in the Baltimore series. I thought that was odd as well. Maybe they're trying to save his arm. I mean, he's another young arm that they don't want to burn out. Um, You know, our last episode, we talked about some of these bullpen arms that, the usage is already pretty high for the month of April guys like Schreiber and um, guys like, you know, Brazier, not that we care too much about him, but they are using them a lot. And so maybe core is just trying to be extra careful with a guy like Cutter Crawford, like Josh Winkowski he doesn't want to use them too much. Cause he knows that those guys are going to be really valuable down the road. So I, I want Bayo up here. I want him starting regularly, even if he struggles a little bit, but the, the, flip side of that is six man rotation your bullpen is even thinner than it already is um I'd be more willing to entertain it if like Chris Martin was healthy and Jolie Rodriguez was healthy and you kind of had those guys back in the fold but right now you don't so it's a numbers thing it's it sucks but I do understand the reasoning behind it I just hope that you know they don't do it again and again and that you know he comes back up, has a few more bad starts. They send him right back down. To me, that's how you screw up against confidence.
2: Before you move it on, just out of curiosity, who is the ace of the Red Sox right now, if you had to say it? Tanner Houck. <laughs> that's it. it is. I mean, well,
0: right right ace? now, yeah, right now, right this instant, Tanner Houck's your best pitcher.
2: A guy yeah. some people aren't even confident as a starting pitcher is your ace right now.
0: Yep. And, yeah, I I put him in the same category as Whitlock. I'm not 100% sold on Tanner Houck as a starter because he may go out his next start and get torched and only make it three innings, and I'll sit there and go, well, maybe he belongs back in the bullpen. Maybe it was all just a mirage, and he had a couple of good starts, and it's not the real thing.
1: I hope I'm wrong
0: because I would love to see Tanner Houck blossom as a starter. That's good news all around, and so far he is. But, yeah, I'm not 100% sold yet. No
2: if that fourth inning is not a catastrophe today, I mean, there's no questioning it. And I don't know if the Red Sox still go on to win the game, but his numbers look a lot better. And I think the Red Sox had won every previous Tanner Huck start. That was a win. So yeah, to me, he's, you know, easily the ace. Andrew, do you have any thoughts on
1: that? No, not really. I mean, I, I think everyone's shaking some things out. The Corey Kluber start was very encouraging the other day. Th- things are just going to – everything has a way of kind of working itself out. Like people were like, oh, what are we going to do when everyone's healthy? It's like let's let's see everyone get healthy first. So I'm not too concerned. I think they'll figure you know their different roles out at this point. I'm not ready to commit to anyone being the ace of the staff.
2: But it's just – I mean the fact we don't have one – Really, but I don't know. I, I just wanted to throw that out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, ho- hopefully, it continues this way for Hauk, and you know, he continues to build on it. and really does turn into that ace, but we'll see. We still got a long way to go. Um, so, moving on, we're going to move to the National League Central, and we're going to talk about the as of this recording, the first place Pittsburgh Pirates, and. The contract extension that they just gave to outfielder Brian Reynolds, Uh, this is a guy who was a hot commodity on the trade market last year and in the offseason. The Pirates gave him an insulting contract offer uh, early in the offseason that he did not take. Um, And everyone after that happened, I think it was like like 5 over 70, something like that. It was really bad. Um, Everyone was convinced he was going to be traded after that. Pirates don't end up trading him. They asked for a lot for him on the open market. Nobody bit. Uh, They went back to the drawing board. They went back to the negotiating table and they eventually hammered out a deal. Eight years, $106.75 million for Brian Reynolds. Um, There are no opt outs in the deal, which I think is pretty significant. And he has a limited trade clause. So Brian Reynolds, probably one of the best five tool players in the game. Stays with the Pittsburgh Pirates on an eight year deal. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of the contract?
1: I thought it was pretty fair seeing that, you know, he wasn't a free agent until uh, the 2020 or right after 2025 going into the 2026 season. Um, It's good to see that Pittsburgh, you know, finally nutted up and paid one of their own guys. And that's, Honestly, my fear for what Baltimore might start doing in the next few years. But, you know, instead of watching talent constantly walk out the door, now they have this guy that they're going to build around for years. I mean, we see, I see it out here with, you know, Charlie Blackman's been the long-term uh, Rocky. Honestly, that contract hasn't worked out well, but he's been the face of the franchise. Reynolds, I think, will be able to maintain being a corner outfielder if he has to be a left fielder. For years to come, you know, year three and f- after year three or four of this, he'll be fine. I- I- I'm just happy for the fans. And now that we can put all the trade talk to bed and, you know, feel bad for some of the Yankee fans that, you know, had traded for him about seven different occasions at this point. So, sucks to be Ka- uh, Brian Cashman and all the rest of them over there.
0: Terry, what do you think?
1: It's interesting
2: because they had these negotiations throughout the winter, and then there was the so-called deadline, which is never a real deadline. I mean, is the opening day deadline ever legit under any circumstances? Like, of course not. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it ever. Maybe Mookie Betts—that's the only guy I've ever seen kind of hold to it, basically. But. Um, so the deadline passes, but then you get the reports okay, they're still talking and the money was kind of worked out, but he wanted an opt out. That was the thing. And I think that's fair. A, a guy like a guy like Reynolds, if he's gonna sign a, a deal that's you know team friendly now first of all, 106 million divided by eight, that's 13 and a quarter million dollars. <laughs> to have a stud outfielder. I mean, I would love to have a guy like Reynolds. Uh, I wasn't quite willing to like, I just slightly tempted. Would I put Meyer in the deal, but uh, gun to my head, probably I don't, I don't make that deal, uh, you know, with a player like that in the package, but, but they get him on an extremely affordable deal and he forgoes the opt out and he just caves. He caved to Ben Sherrington and took this, insanely team friendly deal. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, I thought it, it was going to be Sherrington that would cave and say, okay, here's the opt out, you know, after a year three or four, presumably. Um, and it, it just didn't happen. So uh, it's kind of, it's cool. I mean, it's a good move for Ben Sherrington. Um, another thing of note here. Uh, so there are only three remaining teams in the history of baseball to never give out a contract North of a hundred million. Two of those teams won't surprise you. The, the Kansas city Royals and the Oakland A's. you know, no shock there. Those are two of the smallest market teams. There are the Chicago white Sox is the third team never to go over a hundred million. Isn't that insane for a massive market like that?
1: Ben Attendee their highest one, and I think uh, if you go on social media, I don't, fans are worried that they're never going to give out another high contract after that.
0: And <laughs> he, they're going to have to pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, they're they're going to have to. Tim Anderson is going to be up soon, and I, I would imagine if he continues the way he's going, he's going to earn more or he's going to uh, command more than a hundred million dollars. So yeah, a lot of White Sox. White Sox Twitter is uh, is just on fire right now. That they, they are so mad at this team. They're they're wearing sell the team T-shirts to the ballpark. Um, they're all pretty much saying Tim Anderson's out of here. He's going to be gone. Um, but yeah, it's it's shocking. I, I I knew the Royals. You know that that made sense. Oakland obviously made sense. But yeah, the White Sox. Wow. And. Just getting back to Reynolds real quick, he, he did forego the opt outs, but I think he also protected himself by keeping it a team friendly deal because that's a tradable contract, especially a few years down the road. If Pittsburgh can't put it together, if their young talent doesn't pan out and they just never become a contender and Reynolds by the time he's 32, maybe 33, you know, wants to play for a contender, that's a tradable deal. 13 million a year for, you know, a, a good outfielder who, you know, hits for power and and all that stuff, I mean, it that's tradable. So, I think he protected himself in that way that maybe by not asking for the richest contract, sure he foregoes the opt-outs, but if in a couple years the Pirates are going backwards again, then he can demand a trade and just say get me out of here and I think it could happen.
2: Real quick though, I mean the Pirates are like the, I don't know the third or fourth best team in baseball. And it seems like every year there is a team that gets off to a hot start and you're like, well, you know, give it a month, they'll come down to earth and perhaps the Pirates do, but I don't think it's entirely a fluke. Like they have a pretty good pitching staff right now. They've got some young uh, pitchers on that staff that are pretty serviceable. And, if it weren't for the fact that O'Neal Cruz went down, I would be supremely confident. Well, I shouldn't say supremely confident, but I'd be increasingly confident that this could be a team that competes for the third uh, wild card. That, the National League isn't as deep as, as the American League, but Mitch Keller right now pitching, uh, he's just shy of 30 innings. 364 uh, era uh, Johan Oviedo who we saw in the uh, Red Sox series a 3.03 era j- again just a hair under 30 innings uh Rowanzi Contreras uh you know a 358 era right now just under 30 innings they've got some they got some pitchers on their staff and even if this isn't the year it's coming. They're they're going to be here soon. And I just I think Ben Sherrington's doing a very good job. And if they can just add some offense here, that's going to be that's going to be a team to be reckoned with. And they have one of the best closers in the league. We were talking about that off air before we come on David Bednar. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying.
0: Well, and when you look at their top prospects, a lot of them are due up. Like, or or expected to be in the majors within the next two to three years. I mean, it's not like they've got guys who are 17, 18 years old that are still, you know, four or five years away. Their prospects are on the way soon. Um, They've got, you know, Henry Davis. I know he's struggling a little bit so far in the minors, but he's supposed to be their Adley Rushman. Like, he's supposed to be the the next, you know, generational catcher to come up for them. Um, They've got offense, you know, within their top 10 prospects that could be up you know, by the trade or by the all-star break. So like you said, all they have to do is add some offense. They could just add it from within Just start calling guys up. And yeah, they could definitely be a force. They've always had good young talent. They've just have never had pitching. It, pitching's always been the issue there, that their rotations in years past have been kind of a joke apart from, you know, guys like Jameson Taillon, on, um, they gave up on Garrett Cole pretty quickly, but like now they're finally starting to redevelop that pitching program. I think that's a big part of their success.
1: Yeah, they've traded all. I mean, you look at the Chris Archer deal that they did with Tampa, and you know they got nothing in return for Garrett Cole. They got nothing in return for uh, you know in that Tampa deal. The Yankees deal, they got Rosny Contreras um, and uh, Smith and Jigba, um, whichever one fought Winkowski drawing a blank on his first name. But, yeah, I, it's kind of funny to see what this team could be. And, you know, if they <laughs> if they didn't have to worry about signability and they, you know, didn't go with uh, Henry Davis for the little discount and picked up Marcelo Meyer or Jordan Lawler, how much different, you know, their outlook would be right now.
2: I think Cole and – um, glass now deals were pre sharrington the Garrett Cole one definitely
1: was. Uh, I'm not, oh, nervous. yeah. Oh, I was just saying, yeah. as an organization, yeah. like there's been a lot of mistakes, and hopefully, this for their fans, this you know, their willingness to do a long term deal marks the end of it, okay? Yeah, and uh, just one
2: other observation for me um, they've got a couple of interesting guys on that team, you know, that are. S- Serving as good leaders. One of them is McCutcheon coming back. I mean, that's a great story. And he's not even like completely washed either. You know, he's a very serviceable player and can certainly have a positive impact on, uh, you know, a lot of the younger guys. And then a guy I love immensely, and he could have been a fit for the Red Sox at various points, is Carlos Santana, who's been around forever. He's hitting uh 261 right now which i think is actually a little high for him but he's always been a very high on base guy. He's got a 340 uh obp and i forget which team he was on when he did it. It might have been Seattle but don't quote me to that. When the Fortnite thing was all the rage and we went through our controversy with David Price, i, I mean, a lot of the young players across the league were were playing it and Santana got so fed up with it in the clubhouse, he took a baseball bat to the TV and just just to get the kids, you know, focused back on baseball. And um, he was a big part of that Cleveland team that went to extra innings into game seven of the 2016 World Series. So good guy to have around uh, with McCutcheon. I mean, this could be a Cinderella run. It's too early to say for sure, but it's a fun team to keep an eye on right now. And Cruz will be back, you know, at some point, probably about halfway into the season.
0: Yeah, they're absolutely, they're a blast uh, to keep an eye on and and to, to watch right now. And you brought up the point of the national league. I mean, I, I think the national league largely outside of the, the powers that we know is kind of dog food. I mean, it's not, it's not a very good competitive league. So for the pirates to kind of come out of that and, be a surprise story. They could sustain it. I mean, they, they could beat up on on some of those teams in the National League and uh, threaten to be a wild card. So it's a fun ride. I hope they keep it coming because that that fan base deserves to have a team to root for. It's it's been some miserable miserable decades in Pittsburgh. So I'm happy for their fans because I think that's a good fan base. It's a you know nice ballpark. They've got a good history. Um, be nice to see that team get back on the map. So we'll see if they can keep it going. Um shifting now from the NL Central, we're going to go to the National League West. Um Madison Bumgarner has been designated for assignment by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Another kind of surprising team in the National League by the way. They're actually playing some pretty good baseball. But uh Bumgarner my, my
2: upset special by the way for the third wild card. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, hey, you might be right. I mean, that's they're looking pretty good so far and they Obviously, don't feel the need to keep Madison Bumgarner around. He's been (laughs) awful so far this year. 0-3 with an ERA over 10. Um, Obviously, we all know what Bumgarner did with the Giants. You know, three-time World Series champ. He was a World Series MVP, um, NLCS MVP. Just one of the absolute heroes of that uh, sort of dynasty run that the Giants went on. But Everson's going to Arizona. Hasn't worked out. There was the, you know, I think it was the offseason that he signed there, uh, got into an accident on his ATV, completely screwed up his shoulder and, and you know, his, his hips as well, or something like that. So he was injured for a good portion of the first year of that contract. And then he gets back on the mound and he's supposedly healthy and he just doesn't seem to have it anymore. He, his stuff just doesn't look good. And, um, I also thought it was classic Madison Bumgarner that his last start before he got DFA'd, he was uh, pitching against the Cardinals and he was barking back and forth with Wilson Contreras, just, you know, being classic Hardo Bumgarner while he was getting torched and then he gets DFA'd after the game. So um, pretty, pretty classic for him. But uh, Terry, what are your thoughts on Bumgarner and what's next for him? And if this is it for him, how do we look at his career in general?
2: Well, it could be. He might get a minor league deal on a team that's desperate and thinks they can maybe salvage something out of him. Uh, he's only 33 years old. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> he, he's younger than Chris Sale, who I'm starting to question. And it's crazy how basically at the turn of this decade, it, he just fell off he fell off and you were starting to see it a little bit with the uh giants let me get his numbers up uh 20 uh well actually i guess he he wasn't terrible in 2019 that was his walk year so 390 era i, I want to say that he just hadn't been great the the last couple of uh years in in san francisco and then you pointed out he, you know, had some off-season stuff where he's messing around, uh, I guess, on his dirt bike. And I guess he would sneak off to rodeos. Did you guys hear that? Like riding bulls. And, and maybe that was even yeah. what could have happened and, and not the dirt bike. But, um, but Yeah. So it just didn't work out with Arizona. It seems like Arizona, every fifth year, they have a shocking starting pitching move. You know, it was Grinky before him, and that actually worked out okay, and they managed to trade him while he still had value. But uh, but then they signed Bumgarner, and it was kind of a head-scratcher, um, you know, especially to stay in that division that was so familiar with him, that was so loaded, you know, with, um, you know, other players, stack teams and yeah so I don't know where he ends up but I will say this I think he is a Hall of Famer I mean just based on his his starting pitching uh in the playoffs it is just phenomenal uh, his career numbers actually outside of the playoffs I mean 347 not gonna blow you away I mean I think, you had the one guy from the twins there get in, uh, on the veterans committee, Jack Morris, um, Kurt Schilling is right around there. And I think we would all agree he'd be in if it weren't for his mouth. Um, so I, you know, he's a borderline hall of famer as far as his regular season stats, but he won three rings. He was a huge part of those three world series runs. and, He's got 102 innings in the playoffs. That's like a full season for like a Nathan Avaldi type guy. That's a lot of playoff innings. 211 uh, earned run average throughout that entire run. And, you know, 2010, uh, you know, just 20 years old that year, pitching in the World Series. In fact, that was, uh, that was against the Texas Rangers, and he made one start. Pitched eight scoreless innings, 20 years old, in the World Series. Just unbelievable. And, you know, he was pitching out of the bullpen in uh, 2014. Uh, he came out in relief. The I remember watching that World Series. It was against the Royals, and I wanted the Royals to win so bad because it was just such a cool story. And uh, they did end up winning it the following year. But, you know, I told my dad, I said, if Bumgarner comes in with a lead, it's over. <laughs> You know, Giants are gonna win it again for the third time. So um great career. I'd be shocked if it's over at age 33. I mean, it is by all intents and purposes over, I think. I, I don't think he'll salvage it, but someone uh could take a chance on him.
0: Andrew, what do you think? Hall of Famer, yes or no?
1: Right now, no. Um, it depends on where the voting goes, and then you know, with uh the next generation of eligible voters um comes in and kind of gets rid of the old crowd that's kind of in the gatekeepers but if you have a guy like Andy Pettit that hasn't gotten in um I mean he was a po- yeah he was a postseason baller like no other and, and probably won over 225 games I don't have it in front of me I should have pulled it up but if you guys got guys like that not in the hall of fame it's going to be hard to put Bumgarner in but Bumgarner in 36 innings in the world series loud one run and that that's ridiculous i don't think anyone he's probably the greatest world series pitcher of all time i don't think there's any debating that if you pick one person with their resume in world series games it's gonna be him the issue with him is that you know he threw so many goddamn innings i think he said he was younger than chris sale but like if He's clearly thrown more innings than Chris Sale. Chris Sale is sitting at 1,700 right now. Madison Bumgarner, not including playoffs, 2,200. So that's a lot of wear and tear. If he's throwing 220 innings a year and then pitching in, I to him, you know, three starts each time, going six, seven innings, and then you have an abbreviated offseason, you're coming back, you're doing it again, Another abbreviated offseason. There's a lot of miles on there, so I don't think he is going to ever rebound. I think he'll get a stint. Um, we saw what's his name? Uh, who's that? God damn! I'm drawing a blank. Like, I want to call him say Lansley, but it's clearly not Lansley. But he's going in the same territory. Uh, pitcher, of White Sox last year DFA'd a couple different times. Oh, no, yeah,
2: yeah, Dallas Keiko.
1: Yes, yes, Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel, yeah, yeah. I, You yeah, know, I We saw him, I think actually was in Arizona too, um, bounce around. I don't think Madison Bumgarner is probably going to be a guy that wants to do that and have his – ego bruised that much cuz we've seen you know what happens when guys hit a home run off him he loses his crap so i think this is the end of road for him i don't think it's a, necessarily a bad thing hell of a legacy you know it almost sucks he didn't retire and you could have seen him and uh, buster posey go into yeah, or him you know be on the same ballot and have the same retirement ceremonies with uh, the giants i he has his place in history. I just don't think it's going to be Cooperstown is, I guess, my long-winded way of saying it. I just don't think today's voters are there for it. If he hangs around in the ballot for seven years, maybe, but it's going to be a challenge.
0: Yeah, he, he may need some help to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, he may have to, like you said, be on the ballot for several years before he gets in. I My gut tells me he's not. A Hall of Famer. Um, I, I think he may be the greatest postseason pitcher of all time. But to me, it's not enough. He never won a Cy Young. Um, he, you know, 134 career wins, but also 124 career losses. And wins and losses are tough for pitchers. Like, does that stat really matter? It's more about the team. I get that. But I don't know. It To me, he just was never, I never looked at him as the best pitcher of his time. And to me, to get into the Hall of Fame, you have to be, at one point or another, the best player at your position. I just don't think Bumgarner was ever that. I I always thought he was really good. He was, you know, probably a top 10 guy at his peak. Um, You know, made the all-star team a couple of times. But again, it never won a Cy Young. Um, To me, that's that's telling. I think the closest he ever finished was fourth. So it's not like he even had a year where he was a runner-up and you could argue – Maybe he should have won it. No, he never had that. So the postseason stuff is incredible. I, I can't take that away from him. But I just think everything else, he was just really, really good, not great. And that's that's kind of where I land. So I, to me, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I do think this may be it for him. I just I, I don't know where his stuff really plays. I, I don't think any team is going to look at him and go, yeah, no, this guy can make 20, 25 starts for us and be you know worthwhile I just I don't see it so i'd be very surprised if someone actually tries to pick him up
2: one of the things i'm looking at is strikeouts and he's got uh just over 2000 i think yeah 2070 and I mean there's only 37 pitchers uh in the Hall of Fame that that have more than he does uh, in that category. You know, I I think his earned run average is probably, um, you know, a little high, but I I don't know. I just, I think it's borderline. I think he's going to stay on the ballot. It's still 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I I think he, I think he's got a shot and that postseason record, man. I mean, I I was going to go over this anyway, but, in in this century, going back to two thousand, there's only two other pitchers that have three rings. Do you guys know who those are? Oof.
0: Only two? Yeah, there's only two
2: Lincecum? others. Oh, does he? He might. Maybe I forgot him. Was he on the twenty fourteen team? I
1: think so, right?
2: If he was, okay. All right. So there's he's so there's two more. There's Linsacum and then two more. For some reason, I thought Bumgarner was the only one on all three of those Giants
1: teams.
0: Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Um,
2: they both pitched for the Red Sox.
1: John Les- yeah, Lester. Yeah, Lester, okay. He's one. of Not-
2: Oh, shit. No. I'm just bombing. Yeah, you're correct uh, on He Lacky. had the
1: Angels. He had the Red Sox. Did he get another
2: one? Yeah, he got the Cubs. He was on that Cubs team. I was on the Cubs team. <laughs> All right, yeah. so I did a bad job <laughs> so, preparing for this. So, I
1: got that
2: So I I totally botched Lackey and Linsicum, but John Lester, 2 with the Red Sox, 1 with the Cubs, Kurt Schilling, 1 with the uh, Yeah, 1 with the Diamondbacks, 2 with the Red Sox. Diamondbacks <laughs> was 2001, <laughs> so that that's Right, yeah. That, that's the century. So, I, Bumgarner is in pretty good company here. I feel like um you know, he's tied for the most in, in this century. So just something to consider, you know, I could be wrong and I'm not, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry if he doesn't get in or whatever, but I'll, um,
0: I'll admit I have a little bit of a dog in the fight. Cause I was a big Tim Lincecum advocate. I know I was on, you know, an Island by myself on that one. He didn't even get the minimum votes to stay on the ballot, but back to back Cy Young winner and world series champ. I don't know. To me, even though his career was much shorter. Um, I always liked Linscombe as a Hall of Famer better than Bumgarner. So, but I, I agree. I think Bumgarner, just because of the postseason stuff, he's going to get the minimum votes to stay on. It's just a matter of, will the amount of time on the ballot help him? And maybe that's what he needs. I mean, that'll get him in. So. yeah, Maybe. Any other final thoughts on any of that? All right. Well, uh, we will be back with you guys. So the weekend crews got you next. They'll be recapping the Guardian series. And then the three of us will be back for our next midweek recap of the Blue Jay series. <laughs> the first series of May kicking off with uh, what could be a tough one. So uh, that's a tough four game series, a very important one as well. Yeah, um
2: yeah your you guys' streak uh, on the midweek isn't looking good uh for a no. W, but we basically do count as a four game series so we always treat typically a split uh, as a win so um we'll see if they can at least do that
0: yeah that would be nice if they can at least do that for us that uh that would be very helpful so so yeah look out for all of that and uh, as always check us out on Twitter and. The YouTube channel—we're always got some good stuff going up on there. Uh, Until next time, take care.